This is The Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinema Wave podcast. We are talking once again about Ahsoka. This is episode four. It is part four. It is Fallen Jedi. I am one of your co-hosts, Darian Scalamoni. I am joined once again by the host of the Star Wars Mark of Balance podcast, Mark Yacobina. What's going on? What's going on, Darian? Hey, everyone. This is uh, this is a lot to talk about. This is a big one. I'm going to earn my paycheck today yeah. <laughs> trying to explain all the stuff going on in this episode. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, let's start with really quick. And as you guys know, we, we put it in the title. We put it in the description. This is a spoiler-heavy conversation and discussion, but especially for this episode, spoiler heavy discussion mm. for fallen jedi you guys have been warm the episode has been out since tuesday we're recording on thursday it's releasing friday you guys should already know what the deal is at this yeah. point let's jump in mm -hmm. okay so this episode directed by peter ramsey an oscar winner for uh into the spider-verse uh which we also <laughs> have in front of you um but really interesting episode for him to headline too because of the stakes and how important and strong this episode is it i saw on instagram today i think it might have been on rotten tomatoes it's the highest rated episode of star wars television ever i think really yes wow which is really interesting i i i don't know if i could go that far but i definitely think it's the strongest episode of the season so far mm -hmm. uh just general uh kind of reception how did you feel about the episode just on the onset I, I thought it was incredible. I mean, I think it hit all the notes that people were waiting on. Like, I think a lot of people were expecting an explosive episode like this to come maybe even sooner. But once this episode got going between all of the conflicts between characters, we have Sabine and Shin having another showdown. We have this epic lightsaber battle between Ahsoka and Balon, and you can really feel the weight behind that fight that it's been kind of inevitable. Like he says, it's a really great line. And by the end of the episode, obviously, we have so many questions going into next week, and I'm sure we'll dive into everything. Absolutely. I, I want to talk about lightsaber battles for a second, yeah. because I do think that it was the strongest action we've seen of the show so far. Um, but I think that not only that, just the atmosphere of every single uh, battle feeling different was also such an interesting directorial choice, but so strong for the episode and the editing. In mm. this episode was something in particular that from the below the line really stood out to me because they were able to keep the consistency of the tension and the tone by jumping back and forth between the battle between Shin and Sabine and Balin and Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes I'm afraid of like when they do those types of edits where they cut away when a battle's just getting good, but I think they paced it out so well here where we got a really good chunk of one battle and then we moved on to the next one and it all flew it all flowed very well. And like you said, with the pacing, I think in the beginning of the Ahsoka and Balon battle, I absolutely loved the way they sized each other up. They slowly kind of did this circle and they changed stances back and forth, like measuring where they could have that first blow or that first attack. And I really appreciate Ahsoka, you know, not even pulling out the second lightsaber because she knew that if she pulled out a second lightsaber, his heavy swing would just knock it out of her hands. So I was like, thinking I that have too. to use both hands. That's so interesting. Cause I was thinking about that too. When she pulled out the first lightsaber, I was like, why isn't she pulling out the second? But now that you say that out loud, that makes a lot of sense to me. His That's heavy attacks were insane. Like yeah. he, he, when he came down, it was like a cleaving motion. I know Ray Stevenson at star Wars celebration. He said one of the big inspirations behind his character was like Arthurian knights and these big hulking characters and figures that use these huge broadswords. And I thought he brought that, beautifully into this fight here yeah the just everything about the lightsaber battles and this the choreography i thought the score was really strong again in this episode in particular mm -hmm. and uh, it, like 
I guess kind of like last week where it's kind of action heavy, but there's so much deeper, not only just conversation that's happening between characters, but the writing was particularly strong in, in this week's episode, in my opinion. But let's just start from the beginning. So the episode opens with Hu Yang um, kind of still repairing the ship and Sabine is trying to uh, help him out. And Ahsoka's outside, and she comes out, and she has this discussion with Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. We have a really big moment that happens here, which I thought was a great character moment between the two of them. And we start to really see the dynamic of Ahsoka and Sabine kind of shift now from last week, where you were starting to see the relationship of them kind of growing and building because they're working together in this in this space battle. And Ahsoka is basically like, hey, listen, like if Ezra, if we don't get to Ezra first, and they still have this star map, like, Am I able to rely on you that it's more important that we get this thing the fuck out of here because we can't have Thrawn return? Mm-hmm. What did you think about that moment in particular and just the acting of both of them? Because I thought it was like a really a big highlight. Sabine, that we've been talking about has been mm-hmm. big. Great scene for Rosario, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is such a good Star Wars-esque moment because it's really relying on you know, do you put your attachments above the greater good? And Ahsoka knows that Sabine cares for Ezra more than most people. And I love that that line comes back around in the end where she says, can I rely on you? And Sabine's like, of course you can. And you know, in Natasha's performance that, you know, she's not fully behind what she's saying. And then later on in the episode, we get the payoff of that foreshadowing that they set up earlier in the episode. Yeah, for sure. I loved it. Did you, what did you think about, Was that something in terms of Ahsoka's character that you were expecting out of her in terms of the relationship to Ezra? Because I know, obviously, Sabine has the closer and stronger relationship. For me, not knowing even Ezra as a character that much, it took me back a little bit because I was like, oh my god, what a strong thing to say. But at the same time, I feel like Rosario's portrayal is building as Mm -hmm. we go in the weeks along. And I thought that that was something that at least rung true to her character, but you know more than I do. So I'd like to hear your take on that as well. Yeah, it is interesting because she does have a good relationship with Ezra and Kanan in Rebels because they all kind of share that Jedi past together. So it is pretty rough for her to say, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to strand him if we have to for the greater good of the galaxy. And I think that's kind of where her headspace is now. I think we've seen throughout this season that she is very conflicted about things that have happened in the past, especially between her and Anakin and Darth Vader, but obviously her and Sabine. We get more hints this episode about what might have happened between them. So, yeah, I think this was a really great scene. I think it rings true to what Rosario's been doing this season. I know people have been saying, oh, she's kind of stiff. She's not very emotional. But I think here we see, like, it's a sense of duty. Like, it really means a lot to her to protect the galaxy if she has to and not let attachments get in the way of that. Yeah, I love I love the building of her with this character because if you guys go back to the first episode, I, I brought that up. I was like, I don't know if she's fully embodying the character yet and this is coming from someone who hasn't seen Ahsoka that much in animation at all. And I think she's really growing into the character really well, but that's a big topic that we'll get to as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's jump into the conversation that happens with Morgan, Elsbeth, and Balin. Mm-hmm. Uh, what stood out to you in terms of the dialogue in that scene? Where he's kind of saying that he's afraid of like what's coming because Ahsoka's coming to you know take the map and and she's like what why are you so cautious yeah there, there was there was a lot of she, I think the line is I why do I sense hesitance in your voice or something mm-hmm. like that that was their relationship in general just seems very it, it's not going well right there's a lot of yeah. division so I'm curious on your thoughts on their relationship and that scene in particular 
Yeah, I think, you know, he is a mercenary to her. Obviously, he's like a hired gun and he has his own motivations. And I think she knows that as well. So it is interesting. And she doesn't fully understand his point of view because he does still have that sentimental view of the Jedi Order. And when he sees, you know, Jedi coming after him, he doesn't want to fight them. He doesn't want to have to take another Jedi life because that's something that I'm predicting he wants to preserve over time, preserve the Jedi Order, preserve the, the Jedi legacy. And so I think, you know, there is that they're looking in two different directions. She's really at a power play with Thrawn and he's on a power play more on the more mystical side of things. Mm -hmm. So I just think they don't see eye to eye. But like he kind of says later on in the episode with Sabine, you know, their their paths are kind of going in the same direction. So they need to work together. Yeah, absolutely. I think he just sees the great the greater sense of what it all means. Right. Mm -hmm. He yeah. reminds me a lot of dooku is that do you see that in his character because first of all what an unfortunate i mean obviously when we lose any talent it's a shame ray stevenson passed away earlier this year mm -hmm. he is just made for this character and he's made for star wars in particular and he's so great in this role and it's so sad that i mean we don't know what's going to happen to him at the end of the series but regardless if his character continues on like we're gonna have to see a recasting obviously yeah so what are your thoughts on his performance in particular and maybe what you see for his character going forward before we get to the big thing that he does at the end? Sure. Where, what were you thinking in terms of where his headspace was at after uh, that conversation with Morgan and then again later the conversation with Sabine? Yeah, I think, like I said, he he is conflicted about what's about to happen because he might have to take a Jedi life. But I, yeah, I think Ray is, is absolutely incredible and I'm so glad he was able to convey that with this episode and the previous episodes he's only had a couple moments to really show what he has and in this episode he was on full display and i love the calm demeanor like you said very dooku-esque he's very refined as a person and he's very calm in battle usually when you see sith or, or dark side uh users they're very emotional and and he's very reserved and it's 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 impressive and then it's very intimidating at the end of the episode when he's fighting these people you know he fights ahsoka but then when he's fighting sabine he uses mind games instead of using his lightsaber like he mm -hmm. he knows when to use force and he w knows when to manipulate people and i think it, it was just such an impressive performance and he he's been in star wars i don't know um if we ever talked about it, but he has given a voice to a character in clone wars and rebels and, i didn't know that yeah okay. in gar saxon so he has been in rebels before and I think I was surprised because I, I wasn't very familiar with his work other than his voice work. I know he has had a lot of live action roles in big movies, but I wasn't aware of his live action talent. I had only known him from Clone Wars and Rebels. And it, it's just amazing when characters that have played one character in Star Wars, they're able to bring a whole other level to it, like Andy Serkis in, in Snoke and then in Andor as Kino yeah. Loy. I, I love that he was able to have this opportunity and... Yeah, he, he brought us such a, a menacing presence in this with so many layers. Yeah, absolutely. So transitioning from that, now we get this scene in a forest, right? Mm -hmm. And just the atmosphere of that alone, I want to ask you, because for me in particular, red is something that I was always stood out more so than anything in Star Wars to me. Mm. Whether it's the Sith, whether it's the red lightsabers that always I just thought were cooler. Yeah, yeah. Up until Mace Windu got his purple lightsaber, I was always right. a Sith <laughs> lightsaber guy. But... Even the Red Room scene in Star Wars, which that film as a whole, that's a whole other episode. But that scene, I really love the way that they shot it and the cinematography and the lighting and all of it. This scene, we have like the red dirt on the ground and we have these barren trees and they're in this forest and we have a standoff. It's basically a tag team bout. 
We got Ahsoka Tano, and we have Sabine Wren going against Shin Hadi and Marek. What were your thoughts on that scene in particular and the fight choreography and how they were able to divide the two, the the four of them into two kind of separate battles between Shin and Sabine, excuse me, and then Ahsoka and Marek? Yeah, I love what you said about the the significance of red in Star Wars because we saw it in the opening crawl. They use red in the end of Clone Wars. They use a red logo for the Clone Wars logo instead of a yellow one. And, you know, Revenge of the Sith, Mustafar, red... Even Last Jedi, I know that's not a popular movie for a lot of people, but that is a darker look at the Star Wars galaxy, and that's kind of in the poster. It's red, the battle at the end of the of the movie with the red sand and everything. Mm-hmm. So I do love that you bring up the red part of it. Um, I really like the choreography here because it makes Shin, again, think very tactically. Shin knows that Sabine will be off balance if she isn't near her master, so Shin automatically makes a beeline away knowing that sabine will not only be angry at her for stabbing her but also know that sabine is very impulsive like she knows her enemy so i really liked how they did that here i thought their fight was really great the way sabine embodied both being a mandalorian and being a jedi using her gadgets using her beskar like i loved all of that and in the end she still loses but i think they made it very creative in the way that they had that fight and then yeah soka just besting merrick that easily i think is perfect. It just shows how much experience she has and all the Merrick theories, they're they're out the window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so before we break down the scene as a whole, I wanted to ask because and this taking the story out of it, right? Yeah. My personal opinion when I see that happen, I totally agree with every point you just made. As soon as Shin runs away, Sabine follows, I'm like, what are you doing? Like I was so right. angry and I'm like, you just Hu Yang just talked to both of you. Yeah, it was yeah. like, you got to stick together. together. <laughs> and I think Hu Yang, honestly, has been such a standout as well this season in particular. Like, one of my favorite droid characters in Star Wars ever through just even four episodes of the show. But, like, how did you feel on a personal level? Were you like, what are you doing? Like, were you – yeah, like, because I was verbally yelling at my television. I was like, you ju- were just told minutes before this scene yeah. by Hu Yang to stick together because that's how you always work better together. And immediately it's that immaturity and it's that impulsiveness that you talked about. So were you, did you have an emotional connection to that? Because I was pissed off. Yeah, I'm sure you really liked the Hugh Yang fight scene we actually got. He actually oh, got yes, to show early his stuff on. Yeah, I'm like, oh, Darian sure. probably loves like this. Like Rock'em Sock'em Robots <laughs> exactly. is literally what it looked like. It's exactly. awesome. Um, actually, when I first saw them run away, I'm like, oh, that's creative. That's how they can choreograph it so it's not too too much for production design. And oh, I'm like, okay. So you first were of all, I went analytical, scenes. but then I'm like, that's very cynical. And then I looked a little deeper. I'm like, character-wise, yes, this makes sense. Yeah, Sabine yeah. would do that. Shin is smart enough. She knows how to poke Sabine in, in, in the areas that'll get her to do what she wants. And, uh, you know, Ahsoka's obviously just gonna, just gonna face off against someone that I think she knew she was much better than i yeah. mean we saw in the she end bested of, him pretty easily exactly and in, in the at the end of episode two that was the one where he threw his lightsaber and she just like easily sidestepped yeah. it when it came back around so i love that they show that she was just on a completely different level than him or whatever entity he is yeah <laughs> absolutely i thought the scene as a whole was one of the better scenes like action scenes in star wars in a really long time so well shot again choreographed the the camera choice to bring in some of these close-ups, and then again with the editing, they were able to do such – it was tightly shot. It was well-paced. The sound design was awesome. There was so many really good things, and again, that aspect you were talking about. We had the Mandalorian stuff with Sabine. We also had lightsaber battles as well in it. It was able to accomplish so much in a short amount of time. Uh, what did you think of the of the timing of the battle, but also – 
the episode as a whole, we talked a little bit last week about the runtime of these episodes, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think they could have maybe combined episode three and episode four to do something a little bit longer and maybe make this a six episode series? We don't know what's going to come beyond. We still have episodes five through eight coming, but I don't think it matters. Like so, so many people are attached to that like round number, right? Like it has to be six episodes. It has to be eight episodes. Sure. I don't think that necessarily needs to be the case. So I'm curious on your thoughts there. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think this episode was like perfect, like time wise. I I felt like it was almost going to cut off when I didn't want it to cut off and it kept going. I'm like, oh, this is this is great. This is great. And then by the end, I was fully satisfied. But I agree with you. I think where a lot of criticism has come with the Ahsoka series is that people wanted this type of episode, maybe in the first two or three episodes to Mm. really hook you. If you hadn't seen Rebels, maybe you wouldn't be hooked by the first three episodes. And I totally get that. And I think they might have been able to do something with Andor, where it was like the first three episodes is this closed arc that by the end of it, you'll know definitely you'll like this show or you won't like this show. It's Mm. a really nice self-contained story. And I think I agree with you that they might have been able to almost combine episode three and four, maybe even cut down part of episode three, Mm -hmm. cut down that space battle and have a nice three episode beginning where you set the stage with Ahsoka and Sabine's relationship. They head off on their adventure and then boom, we're in the thick of it where you see they're off to Thrawn. Like that's a huge thing to end off on in a first like three episode type of arc. So yeah, I think they could have played with the with the time a little bit better for the first four episodes. Yeah, because me in particular, too, I always kind of preach my whole thing with television in particular is I give it the three episode test. Right now, mm. again, <laughs> that kind of doesn't apply to Marvel and Star Wars because I just love that kind of stuff so much. But I'm not going to I'm not going to apologize. Like if there's certain things I don't like in Star Wars, I'll, I'll say it yeah, straight yeah. up. Same thing with Marvel. I'll do it for DC. Everybody. I'm not a shill. But <laughs> uh, in particular, man, that. If they were able to combine those two episodes, make it because I think this one comes in at about like 36, which mm. and they do a great job of, of building that tension and, and building the episode out. But I think you can combine these two. You can make a nice 50 minute episode and again, have that three episode like you talked about that arc to mm. get you into this next thing and just keep going from there. And again, let's say that it's a seven episode series, right? You do the first three, you have your turning point, you have your next three, and then you lead into your finale. That's yeah, all right. Seven episodes it, is fine with yeah. me. Yeah. So, I don't know why, like you said, I don't know why they're like holding on to this even number. I, I really appreciate when like the story is what the story has to be. If it has to be seven episodes, do that. But yeah, I think they were like, no, we ordered eight. We need eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I think it's more of a Disney thing than anything. Yeah. It's probably a Disney decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, so that we get this, we get this huge battle uh ahsoka kills uh marrick with bests him pretty easily Mm -hmm. and then we start to see hera a little bit so hera comes in she ignores the republic's decision to not send aid she comes in with her own people it obviously winds up backfiring which we see uh were you upset with the lack of her in this episode would you want to see more that happened with when they were kind of sending the brigade to come and help ahsoka and sabine i thought the way that they handled it was was really they handled it really well it was just enough where you were like, oh, okay, she's coming to save the day. And then we get this obvious huge thing that happens at the end, a negative thing. Um, what were your thoughts on Hera's impact and, and what we see from the brigade that actually winds up coming into Send Aid and, and we lose a couple of soldiers? Yeah, I really liked that Hera was in this episode. I think she not only gives that perspective at the end because we know we, we don't see Ahsoka at the end. Sabine goes off. I think she gives that 
perspective of what the galaxy feels right now, like seeing them take off and, and just that hollowness, like, oh no, they accomplished what they were going for. But I also like that it does connect to her rebel side. Like, I would say she was a very reluctant general. Like, she joined the rebellion to do the right thing and mm. fight against the Empire. She didn't join to rise the ranks and become a general. And I think she was awarded a generalship because she was good at what she did. But I don't think she ever coveted that position. So I think her disobeying orders and leaving to protect her friends made so much sense. And I, and I really liked the line, like, you know, once a rebel, always a rebel. Like, I'm going to protect my people. So yeah. I thought it was, like, spot on what she would do. Absolutely. I, I can't believe she brought her son with her. That was that the was, other- yeah, I would agree <laughs> with that. That was interesting. <laughs> as soon as I saw him in the cockpit, I was like, she couldn't have left him with anybody? Like, yeah. even a droid. Like, yeah. even a droid. What, are they going to arrest probably- your son on the court-martial? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. But so we've basically skated around so much. Uh, and, again, we're, we're going to warn you guys again. All right, these are big spoilers upcoming because oh, yeah. a lot of things um start to start to happen here. Mm-hmm. So we eventually have after Ahsoka kills Marek, we have Ahsoka um go up and kind of confront Balin as mm-hmm. they're uh having can you explain better to me what exactly they were doing with the star map? Like they they had it in this machine. Is there a better way to describe it other than they were like waiting for it to boot up? Or is it is it as simple as that? Uh, with, with hyperspace travel, you need to make sure the coordinates and the hyperspace lane are correct because if they aren't, you'll run into things like asteroids, planets, nebula, like all of that stuff has to be calculated. So I think the buildup was essentially that star map, since it is such a long jump, they needed time to calibrate like, okay, this is the lane we're taking. This is the map we're following. They can't just be like, oh, we're going here gone so i think just because of the distance it needed to take some time to uh lock in the coordinates but again that's really deep yeah <laughs> like, we, we we went a little inside baseball stuff. but yeah. i needed that information so thank you for yeah, giving it to yeah, me no problem. but basically so as, as that's happening they're waiting for the hyperspace coordinates to basically realign mm-hmm. uh we have ahsoka confront balin and there's a really great piece of dialogue uh they're talking for a while and ahsoka's basically like but what are you getting out of all this? You know, like Thrawn coming back, like, do you understand the capacity of what this means? Like, basically, this is the worst possible thing that can happen. And he has this great line, which we talked about a little bit off camera, but it's one that for me was like a perfect epitome of what this episode means going forward with this series. Mm-hmm. But he says, one must destroy in order to create. And he's talking about Thrawn, which we talked about a little bit on here. I still have, I can't wait to see yeah. Thrawn. <laughs> It's just this thing that's like lingering in my brain now, but it's, it's just something that's so true. It rings so true, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to make something your own and you want to make this, this world your own and you want to have power and you want to have influence, you have to be able to start from scratch in a lot of things that we're talking in business, in sports, people come in, right? When, when a new general manager comes in, for all the sports fans out here, when a new GM comes in in football, right? Mm-hmm. If they have a quarterback that they don't like, they draft a new quarterback right away and they start fresh. Yeah, clean slate. Clean slate, exactly. So I thought that was such an interesting approach and great writing. And did Filoni write this episode? Do we know? He, he's written all of He's written it. all it's of all, them. Okay, all so, yeah, yeah. so what were your thoughts on that line in particular and the buildup to this battle that we see between Balin and Ahsoka basically to save the galaxy of Thrawn returning. Yeah. I mean, I, 
again, am a fan of The Last Jedi. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but one of my favorite pieces of The Last Jedi is Kylo Ren's journey to kill the past, destroy the past. It's It holds you back. You need to start with a clean slate. You need to start moving forward. And again, I don't know if Filoni is drawing from that theme or something like that, but that line really made me think of that from other Star Wars canon. And then again, if you guys have been tuning into these episodes, I really do think Balon wants to restart the Jedi Order in his image. I think he has an idea of what the Jedi Order should be. I think he saw it fail. He's seen all these stories of these masters failing their apprentices and what it's led to, Darth Vader being the biggest <laughs> the biggest issue that's ever come out of it. So I think that he has this pride and this ego that he knows what's best for the galaxy and he knows that this new Jedi Order, he might not know that Luke is restarting the Jedi Order, or he might. I think he thinks that that's still living on in the old Jedi tenants. And I think he has this image of what he wants to do. And he's like, the only way we can do that is if Thrawn comes back, destroys anything, everything, and then creates an opportunity for the Jedi to be the saviors. Kind of like, um, I'll go, I'll go Marvel, you know, kind of like, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Jake Hall Mysterio. Mysterio, yes. Kind of like create the problem and then be the solution and become a hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like Thrawn. He has a goal. He'll come in. He'll destroy everything, and I'll kind of rise from the ashes. I think that's his goal. That's where I'm taking it. I'm curious what your predictions are moving forward with. I definitely, I definitely think the Jedi Order is something in particular that stands out because there still seems like there's such a respect, and you see it in the scene that he has with Sabine later on uh, after the fight with Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious just because I don't know so much about Thrawn. Thrawn's gonna come in and destroy everything. What is Thrawn gonna be interested in? If Balin is starting this new Jedi Order, which would will be a darker version of what we know the Jedi to be. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Balon's already fallen. So even though he seems like he has a plan or he seems calm and collected and he respects his own apprentice and he has this honor code, like he's still like he's he's far gone. Like he's already done terrible things. And this idea, this vanity that he thinks when he gets what he wants, he's going to go back to being that honorable Jedi. Like, that's just not how the Force works. Like, you you haven't changed. You've fully embraced the dark side, and he would have to be pulled back to the light. So when it comes to Thrawn, again, I am not sure what he's going to do because, you know, when Thrawn, come, Thrawn comes back, his goal was never power to join the Imperial fleet. His His goal was never power to rule the galaxy. It was to basically keep an eye on the empire and make sure they didn't expand into his species part of space, which is the unknown regions. Mm -hmm. He was, he was basically a, not a spy because he, he wasn't, he didn't want to join, but he was essentially a spy for his people, the Chiss, these blue people. He's a spy for them in the empire. And the higher up he goes, the more in check he can keep the empire and Mm -hmm. city is kind of knew that. So they had this kind of mind game again, when you think of Thrawn, think of him on the same type of strategic level as Sidious. Like, he's able to weave those webs. So, I don't really know what Thrawn's going to do when he comes back. I think the series is trying to make us think, oh yeah, he'll just come back, join the Empire, destroy everything. But, I think there's more to it. There has I to be I really more to think it. there's a lot more to it. And, uh, you know, for everyone that's read the Thrawn books, you probably have some really cool theories. I probably did not do a great job of, of just explaining the trilogy that kind of led to him being in the empire and rising up through the ranks. But yeah, there's definitely more than just come back, take over the galaxy. Yeah, for sure. So we see, we see another great battle scene 
seems like and different than the other one that we had seen uh this time with Balin and ahsoka has more of this like medieval kind of tenseness very to it very yeah. samurai-esque absolutely and uh ahsoka kind of bests him for a second grabs on the star map burns her hand Balin's like that was not the right decision yeah. and basically starts to strong arm her and then we have sabine come in and she has the star map in her hand mm-hmm. at the same time that Balin kind of has Ahsoka cornered. Yeah. And Ahsoka yells at her to destroy the star map. And as we've alluded to many times already in this episode, and we can tell what the relationship between Sabine and Ezra, she's going to do everything in her power to get to see Ezra one more time. If she believes that there's a chance for that to happen, mm-hmm. she can't destroy the star map. And we see Balin knock Ahsoka off this cliff. Yeah. Now at that point, what was going through your head? I really loved the emotional, you know, reaction from both of them. You know, Ahsoka, you see that she cares a lot about Sabine and her safety. And Sabine cares a lot about Ahsoka's safety. So I, I really liked that character moment between them. In my head, of course, I'm like, well, you know, this is Ahsoka. There's no way this this possible death is this anticlimactic. Like, there's no way that just happened, right? Mm. So that was going through my head. But then I think the scene just keeps going and then it you're does. locked in with Sabine and, and Balon, which I think is great because it makes your mind race so much faster. You're just like, wait, what happened to Ahsoka? But then you're you're staying in the scene. You don't even think about us and it adds even more to your point that you just talked about for the anti um anticlimactic moment of Ahsoka kind of just falling off a cliff. Mm-hmm. When you get thrown right back into the action and then you go from Balon being or Balin being in the middle of Ahsoka and Sabine to again great just great camera work and great uh staging and everything. Mm-hmm. But then you have Sabine in the middle of Shin and uh Balin. And yeah. uh Shin uses the force on her to get her to um well she gives the star map to Balin first. Yeah, another great scene where, you know, I, I love when Balon reaches out his hand and the camera's kind of placed off off center. So it's just his hand that's showing. It's like the dark side almost reaching out to mm-hmm. her and the editing and the sound editing right when the map touches his hand it like shrinks all the way. it's like whoosh, i love that part of it and yeah. i think natasha's performance here is incredible like the tears just welling like she knows what she has to do but she can't bring herself to do yeah, it. yeah absolutely it. so we see we see that moment happen shin uses the force yeah. uh, like force choking uh sabine and then balen's like like please get off of her like I told her that <laughs> yeah. she kept her word. I'm going to keep my word. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, I mean, again, huge scene, so powerful, a lot of emotion. Like you said, I thought everybody was top notch in this episode yeah. and in those moments in particular. And a, and a big emotional scene because we get this information about Sabine and Ahsoka and what might have happened between them. Because Balon says, you know, your master failed and you feel that Ezra is the only family you have left because of what Ahsoka might have done in the past. Like your master failed you and that let you down and your family's dead as a result of it. That's something in Rebels. Her family was alive and well in Rebels. So mm-hmm. we know from Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, you know, the Night of a Thousand Tears, they shell all of all of Mandalors. But we know maybe something happened there where Sabine might have had a chance to save her family or something like that. And Ahsoka might have talked her out of it. And I think that's like a huge revelation. Like what happened between these two? And it's amazing that Balon knows it. Like it makes him this bigger mastermind. Yeah. And that's interesting from, from my perspective, because again, not knowing that previously, that's like, some, 
that's the unfortunate thing sometimes, yeah, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. we talked about it a little bit, but like that just went over my head because it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I was focusing on. Right. I'm focusing on that big turn. And I, I agree with the camera work. It was so great where uh, she hands over the star map. And th- th- again, I don't know now. I'm interested to see what happens with Sabine and Balin. There's a lot there. Yeah. They bring her with them, which I think is so interesting at the mm-hmm. end of the episode. And after that whole thing happens again, they get on the ship. She goes along with them. They're in possession of the star map. Seems like Thrawn is coming mm-hmm. as soon as next week. But then we have the big moment, yes. right? You know, yeah. we, we finally see Ahsoka again at the end of the episode. She opens her eyes. And I'm thinking she's like at the edge of a rock, right? Yeah. Like she landed. <laughs> and then I start to notice there's a blue hue around her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, is she a force ghost? Yeah. And then we see her on this blue bridge in, I, get, I, I don't know if it's, if it's like for Star Wars, is there a reference to what that is? There is, correct? That, yeah, that is called the world between worlds. Okay. It is a physical manifestation of the force and how it's connected to everyone, everything, and that the past, the present, and the future are all happening at the same time. So it's crazy. It is a really it's, it's like crazy the clo- thing. It's like the closest thing to like time travel in Star Wars, right? Now, that's a, that's a yeah. very basic gist. But like for for people to for the casual people, that might be a way to kind of see things happen that are things we're not used to seeing in Star Wars at a larger scale. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I don't want to give it that kind of connotation that it is time travel because Dave Filoni, when he does explain it, he he emphasized this is not like time travel. This is not multiversal. This is just a representation of what the Force is. You know, when we see Jedi. They can look into the past when they enter an area. They can see visions of the future. We see it with Anakin. We see it with Yoda. They see these visions of the future, and the Force is always in motion, and it's always connected. Everything is always connected, and the idea behind this world between worlds is that all of these things are happening at once, and there are these windows into these moments in people's lives in the world between worlds. We see it in Rebels. And I don't want to dive into it because it's a lot, and it's going to just confuse the hell out of people. Whole conversation, but yeah. That Yes, it is this physical manifestation of what the Force is, and we don't know if it is actually the world between worlds. We we see that it looks like it, and we see Anakin, and we see Ahsoka might be dead. So I think Dave, again, is playing this trick that, you know, is it that or is it this? Is she dead? Is she not? Yeah, I, I it was a really interesting moment for me because as yeah. soon as I saw that, I was like, there's no way. The right. name of the show is Ahsoka. Yeah. Like, there's no way this is happening. Yeah. I really, really love the the reveal of Anakin. Mm-hmm. Like, what's up, Snips? Yeah, sorry. Hey, that Snips. wasn't very like, sanctimonious of me to say no, that. Hayden no, Christensen but, returned. But, yeah, so Hayden Christensen, we get to see him. Yeah. And in the in the Anakin garb, man. Mm. And it just, it's such a cool scene to see the two of them together in live action. And in this way, which we talked about in our first episode on here, how are they going to do oh, this? yeah. yeah. I thought, and you were talking about flashback. Did this live up to you? For me, this lived up to what I was hoping for. I'm really excited to see how they go forward with this. And I I think it would be, I hope they open the episode next week with this. Sure. Something tells me maybe they won't. I feel like a lot of the episodes, they haven't even opened with Ahsoka necessarily, right? right. Like yeah, the character. Yeah, I think so. so I think that that would be a really interesting way to jump back into it. But what were your thoughts on that scene in general and just the reintroduction to Hayden? Yeah, I, I, through my <laughs> through my thought process, you know, you hear the muffled voice and then you hear, hey, Snips. And I'm like, okay, here we go. This, <laughs> this is happening. 
and then we see the pan and he and he has the the revenge of the sith kind of end of clone wars garb on and it's like wow you know he looks great and then he says this really interesting line i wasn't expecting you here so soon Mm -hmm. and that again makes my mind race is she dead is he saying like i physically thought you'd live a longer life i didn't think you would be joining me in this part of the force this early yeah or is it something else is it even anakin very (laughs) interesting man. because the show ends on this darth vader note you hear the darth vader theme the imperial march theme and it's like why would they do that if there wasn't some type of sinister undertone to what's going on here I just I don't know what to believe. I don't even know what to speculate because yeah. and, I, and I do understand what you were saying too because I heard that Darth Vader tone and just as a whole I felt like creatively this is the other episodes I've appreciated I've liked Ahsoka so far. This was a whole other level for me. This was an episode of Star Wars television that was it reminded me of Andor, dude. It yeah, just made me yeah, feel yeah. like I was so excited for next week and I haven't felt that with the last three. Like I was like, oh, it's a good start. Mm-hmm. Last week, like I wasn't a huge fan of last week's episode. I thought it was fine. Yeah. This episode, I was like, I need more, like right now. Yeah, I like, I want to know exactly what's happening. And we talked a little bit off screen that uh, Disney is planning to do this like limited theater release for episode five. Yeah. So that's really interesting to me, and I'm curious to see what's gonna happen, man. There's a lot of there's a lot up in the air. There's a lot of questions that remain. Yeah, I thought that it was a really well done scene. I was shocked. I right. was excited to see what was gonna come next, and. Like I said, just seeing Rosario and Hayden share the screen together in live action, I was really I was really enamored with how Filoni and Peter Ramsey were able to build to that moment and make it still feel special in the last two minutes of the episode. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, what a way to end. I, I love Rosario's performance here because it's not just happiness. It is shock and confusion when she sees him. And I think she portrays that so well. And like you said, there's so many ways they can go with this. Dave Filoni would be the person to do the rest of this Star Wars show from the perspective of a Force ghost. Like, he would so be the one to break that barrier in Star Wars to be like, we're going to show from Ahsoka's perspective becoming a Force ghost and training with her old master again to go through the world between worlds and and almost reconcile all the guilt that she's had throughout her life. And that'll eventually help her to commune with Sabine, who's across the galaxy. And then Sabine will save the day with Ahsoka being this teacher and in a in an astral form like that could totally be a dave filoni approach to this but on another level it's it's called ahsoka like did we really kill her four episodes in so it it seems like they like she she fell off a cliff and there's no way she just like landed on a nice flat rock and she's just like (laughs) laying down there but it's wow we might be seeing something that is change like something that changes all of star wars sure. with this sure. take whatever yeah. he's gonna wind up doing we might learn new information that we didn't know either in the world between worlds that are things that are possible mm-hmm. in that kind of space yeah or something entirely new that dave is like i came up with this george what do you think because yeah. you know he ran it by george no matter what oh, definitely yeah and they have a group chat yeah <laughs> it's him it's george it's favreau yeah and probably you mcgregor yeah, it's just like you that. and yeah, just, just you. Just and. for good. Measure. That's all, exactly. But yeah, I'm 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 really excited to see what happens next. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add. I I don't want to make predictions because I don't tough. like to be in that space of trying to figure out what's happening, especially with especially for me. Yeah. Because I don't have much background on some of these characters. But was there anything else you wanted to add in terms of 
the Fallen Jedi episode part four. Uh, we saw Sabine use the Force. Oh, we did very briefly, and it was yes. more of a nudge. Yeah, <laughs> but that I mean that in the that scene was, with Shin, right? Yeah, Where, that was yes. pretty. That was pretty huge that they took that leap there. I think it makes sense in the in the context of Star Wars. We see you know Luke is able to use the first the Force for the first time on screen when he's you know in the Wampa Cave upside down. He pulls the lightsaber to himself, and it was a moment of like high stress and. We see here she's you know about to die, and that's when it finally comes out. It's not a lot, um, but what was, what was your thought on that? Because I don't know if you felt there was a, enough of a buildup to her actually using the Force. For the I first three I was mad at Sabine this episode. Okay. I thought, <laughs> now, <laughs> Nat- <laughs> Natasha did a great job in yeah, the performance, yeah. but not only that, but there was something right before they go into battle. I think she says, "Oh no, it, it's it's actually it's right after Ahsoka takes out Marek, mm-hmm. and she turns to her." And she yells out loud, like, go get the star map, which I was like, what is happening? Like that created. And again, I don't know if because the character is one that is filled with so much frustration and immaturity, it it sure seems like it works. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, man, like you guys can win this right now. Like what's going on? (laughs) And she, she says, go get the star map. And she goes, I've got this. And I'm like, the hell you do. You don't (laughs) like, there's no way you have this. We've seen how powerful Shin's been. And how yeah. strategic Shin has been throughout the first four episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. So, but in terms of the force, I also noticed it. I think they had to do a little bit more. It, it, it didn't get over my head because I also felt that she was using the force in that scene. And she says, you have no power. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I felt like it could have been misconstrued as her just trying to do something. And then Shin is like, what the hell is going on? Like, I yeah. didn't feel anything. <laughs> so I felt like there needed to be a little bit more to that yeah. to kind of get the uh full-fledged force moment for sabine for me to really have more of a reaction to it sure yeah no i agree with that i i think it's it's again i feel like the show is going to be something that will be better judged as a full and complete package than taking it piece by piece i think andor was the same way like it was fantastic every episode but if you just took it at episode two or just episode five it would be you know it it's always building so i feel like by the end of the show that moment might make a lot more sense yeah i think i think the identity of andor 2 as it went along we started to see that the audience understood that it was like these three-part chunks yeah so i'm curious to see from a storytelling perspective how they decide to kind of have these peaks and valleys with ahsoka Mm -hmm. because again i I just thought that three and four could have been combined i don't know if five is going to be this theater spectacular like is this going to be an episode that goes over an hour is this going to be another 35 minute episode. I think it's 48 or 47. Okay. I think it's confirmed right now. But yeah, Dave Filoni's directing, and every time he directs, we know there's like a big. There's a big moment. thing coming. Like in Mando, in Book of Boba Fett, like anytime he was directing, like that was a big deal. For sure. So we'll see, man. I, I really hope my prediction for, for Thrawn episode five really happens. Yeah, that, but next dude, week. If, that, if that happens, we got to. You got to start doing like tarot card readings or something. <laughs> hey, man, like I, just... hey man, I, I do this Star Wars stuff. I might know a thing. Exactly. <laughs> so, that's very so, true. That's so, very true. Yeah, no, I, I really hope we finally see through. I think it would make sense. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. It was really fun talking to you again. Yeah. Uh, just again, I'm, I'm Darian Scalamoni. We're wrapping up here for Ahsoka episode four, and I'm joined by Mark Giacobino. He's the host of the Star Wars Market Balance podcast. Be sure to check out this episode when it drops. And also, we got more episodes coming for the remainder of the series. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Peace, guys.